This morning we're going to get into this word. This morning we give God praise. We give him glory. This morning, amen. Well, I am Pastor Lester Hayes here with my lovely, beautiful wife, Pastor Sharon. Amen. Back off the road this morning, back in our own domain here. And so we thank God for all the prayers that were prayed, us going and us coming. Safe trip, round trip. Amen. And so we give God praise for that. Covered us all the way there. And so we thank God. We know it was the prayers, amen, of the saints, amen, that assisted in that trip being what it was. But it was God who kept us, and it was God who brought us. And so we thank God for just protecting us, watching over us, amen. And so we give him praise. Just want to greet all of you this morning in the awesome, incredible, amazing name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank God for you all this morning, amen. Wonderful service on yesterday, two dynamic uh, speakers yesterday brought an awesome word, great praise and worship yesterday, great school of healing yesterday. And so we come this morning, brand new day that the Lord has made, still hungry, thirsty for more of God and his righteousness, expecting to be filled this morning as we open up the word and talk about the revelations of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we just thank the Lord this morning for all the things that he's done, doing, and promised to do yet. Amen. So we give him praise. We give him glory. We give him honor for that this morning. Amen. So let's pray and get into this word this morning. Abba, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is your kingdom, the power, and the glory. Lord, it all belongs to you. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask you this morning to direct us, to guide us, to lead us this morning through this word of God as we open up the word this morning to explore the revelations of Jesus Christ. Amen. That this knowledge that we receive today might be available for us as we grow and as we mature in the things of God this morning, that we also may be able to help others, Lord God, to know you as a personal Lord and Savior. And so we thank you right now, Lord, for this awesome opportunity and privilege to be able to receive instructions from your word as it was taught by you, as it was taught by the Apostle John, as it was taught, Lord God, and referenced by many, many other prophets, such as Isaiah, Lord God, who also prophesied these good tidings, these glad tidings. And so we thank you this morning that we're so blessed to be able, Lord God, to partake of your divine goodness through your word this morning that is already inspired of God and breathed out, Lord God. And so we receive now in the name of Jesus, by faith, your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, then, we want to pick up this morning, our study this morning out of the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and we're going to look at a few verses this morning, starting at verse 18. Hopefully, we'll be concluded around verse 30 this morning out of the King James Bible. Amen. And I want to speak this morning uh, from a subject. We're still talking about the revelations of Jesus Christ. That will always be our main stake in the ground. Amen. And there are a lot of subtopics and subjects underneath that huge umbrella, the revelations of Jesus Christ. I mean, the Bible is just full of the revelations of Jesus Christ. And John, these 21 chapters written to us that we might believe that he's the son of God and that we have eternal life through him. As we read in the book of John chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 31. And, and I love the fact that this apostle not only wrote these, uh, these 21 chapters, but he also wrote 
first john second john and third john and he also wrote revelation so we got a this man has a lot of wisdom this author has a lot of wisdom about the revelation of jesus christ things that were unveiled and revealed to him and we're so fortunately blessed to have the opportunity to be able to experience what he actually saw revealed to him and was inspired of him this morning by Jesus Christ. And so this morning we get to take advantage of that. Know it happened a long time ago, but it's so vibrant, it's so alive. And as we explore it, you can see how it just unveils and we just get to see exactly what took place in that day and that time, amen, years ago. And it's very relevant and, 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 and viable right now to what we are doing, amen, as we prepare for Jesus' soon to return to this earth amen we want to be ready amen and so we want to speak this morning from that subject the revelation of jesus christ uh in this particular chapter in these particular verses we see here that there was a prediction made of a betrayer that was about to be exposed and so that's that that's the key right there this revelation is going to reveal the prediction that jesus made of this betrayer okay uh and it's a good picture of what apostasy looks like and we're going to define a little bit about what that word apostasy means amen and so let's preface the message this morning just with a couple of verses that uh the lord dropped in my spirit amen just to get us warmed up here get our spiritual juices and appetite stirred up and flowing here amen and the first scripture i want to just preface this morning this particular revelation out of the book of john chapter 13 verses 18 through 30 the king james bible is it going to come out of the book of second thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 through 4 the king james bible and it says now we and this is paul's letter to the thessalonian church amen it's amazing how paul wrote all these letters to the churches and uh, as i was preparing this i started thinking about they probably was like everybody else even today yesterday and in between struggling with the revelations of jesus christ struggling with the trying to wrap their minds around the deity of christ all the claims that were made all the prophecies that were given about him it is it, it's, it's, so it's it's just natural and normal for people to probably when you know when you're experiencing something that you never experienced before even though you've heard of it but then when it actually happens uh, if you haven't explored the word you have no idea when it starts to happen and manifest that that's actually what's happening and so Paul writes this informative letter to the Thessalonian church here in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, the King James Bible. And he says this, Now we beseech ye, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, and be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, or nor by letter, as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. He says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And we're going to see that in a minute with Judas Iscariot. And that man of sin be revealed. Oh, man, the son of perdition. Amen. You know, that one that's got another agenda. Amen. That's want to fall away from the truth. Amen. When it's right there staring him in the face. Amen. Face to face, breaking bread with him, washing his feet. That old son of perdition and entered into his heart. And right now his thoughts are separated from everybody else's thoughts. And he's thinking about, you know, how to deceive. And, you know, but he's being revealed. That spirit is being revealed. Amen. 
who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. What high thing you going to let enter your mind and exalt itself above the knowledge of who God is? He said, or that is worship. You weren't worshiping Christ. You was worshiping your own ignorance, your own self-interest. And Satan had entered in, so he was now your God, taking the place of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the Messiah, Christ, the anointed one. So that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, there's Jesus, man. He done been in the synagogue. He done been with them. They done followed him. They done sat under his teaching. Now they're at the table, and the, and the house been prepared for them. They're breaking bread. You know, and, and, and here he is, man, you know, showing himself to them that I'm God, still claiming that he is the great I am. I'm the light of the world. You know, I'm the one that was sent from the Father. I'm the one that Isaiah the prophet prophesied that will come, amen, and do these things. I'm the one that's about to wash your feet, amen, you know, and so to fulfill every custom of the law. Why would you doubt me now, amen, when I'm showing myself that I and my Father are one? I'm God. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the closest thing you're going to ever see of a living God, amen. I am it, amen. I'm, I'm, I'm Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, sent from the Father, Amen. And so Paul is writing this letter to remind them, as John wrote the revelation of Jesus Christ, to remind us. Amen. Many in between the time Jesus was on this earth and the many, many generations that have passed since now, today, that we're getting to partake of this. Amen. The claims never change. The revelation has been the same. Amen. And so we're so fortunately blessed to be able to partake of it right now. And we see the struggle that they had. Amen. And many today are struggling with this same, uh, these same claims. Amen. You know, God is real. A lot of people want to make other images and have other things that replace the fact that he is real. He's, he's the preeminent one. He's Christ. You know, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. And so I pray, God, that you will continue to reveal these revelations to, to, to the whole body of Christ out there, the universal body of Christ out there. Amen. Before Jesus returns. Amen. And so we thank God for this unveiling, this revealing. And over in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 10 through 14, the King James Bible, it says this. And I love the book of Matthew, chapters 23, 24, and 25, because it talks about things that will happen in the end before Jesus is returned. And so let's see, let's, let's, let's prepare ourselves here a little bit more. And it reads, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We saw it with Judah. There was not only Judah, it was others who had got up and walked away too because they got sick of hearing what Jesus was telling them about himself and about what's going to happen. You know, sometimes, man, the truth, man, will cause you to be free. Other times it'll cause it, it'll be a stumbling block for you, you know. And we see that right here in this particular situation. It says, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. You know, and even in the end, when there's a falling away, as we just read to Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, there's also going to be some men that are going to be converted and be saved, That's right. you know, at the end. We saw that with the thief on the cross. We're going to see that even today. Some people on their deathbed, when they're about to take their last breath, can repent and get into, and get into heaven. Amen. And it says, and this, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then 
shall the end come. Amen. And so, you know, and so when we look at a betrayer, and this is what we're going to look at today, a betrayer is one who betrays a trust or an allegiance to something, someone, or some place, as we saw in the case of Judas of Iscariot. A traitor is also, uh, I mean, a betrayer is also a traitor, a liar, a conspirator, a double-minded person we know is unstable in all their ways. We see all of this unfolding with Judas Iscariot, and he was not the only one. He was just the one that happened to be close to the Lord as one of his uh, his, uh, you know, disciples. He's also a deceiver and it could be a she. It don't necessarily have to always be a he, a backstabber. We, we know about we, these people. Some of us have had personal experience with these kind of people, even in the body of Christ, a apostate, you know, we're going to tell you what, what that is in a minute, because that spirit is very obviously at work right here in this, in this particular, these particular verses too. a whistleblower. We know he went and blew the whistle to the to the, to the high priest and got them 30 pieces of silver, that blood money. And he's also a mole. Satan had put him in there as a mole, molded him to do exactly what he wanted him to do. And he's also can be an implant, implanted by whoever Satan could have been the high priest. It could have been the Sadducee, the Pharisee. People sometimes will implant people in your church, send people over to your church, you know, especially if you're doing something they're not doing. They'll come and show up and Sit there, man, and next thing you know, right before you altar call, they get up and they leave. You know, as soon as the word is going forth, the ears can't take it, they get up and leave. Yeah, they burn it, burn it, that word is burning. And you have implants like that, you know, and, and, and so that's what a betrayer is. So let's look at the word apostasy. We hear it a lot, but it's very obvious in this text. Apostasy is an abandonment of the truth. Now, here's a good case in point here with Judas. He'd been with the truth all the time because Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, the King James Bible, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the light. Another one of those claims. He even prayed to the Father over in the book of John, chapter 17, verse 17, the King James Bible, Father, sanctify them with thy word. Thy word is truth. And so Judas has been right there hearing the same claims, hearing the same word that, you know, that they were hearing. So the truth was right there. But because Satan had entered into him, he could not receive that truth. Therefore, he could not be free. So the only thing left for him was to carry out being a traitor, you know, being a deceiver, you know, being a conspirator, double-minded, unstable right now. And so that's what that ap word apostasy means is an, ab an abandonment of the truth, a falling away. And the Bible said we're going to see a lot of that in the last days. We've been seeing a lot of that. In the Greek, though, it is defined as rebellion. And we know the scripture says that rebellion is the same as witchcraft, you know. And so a lot of things work in there. So that is very present today. A lot of idolatry going on, especially in the South. A lot of rebellion, a lot of witchcraft, a lot of, you know, a lot of other kinds of things. Black magic, you know, you got a lot of other stuff going on out there right now. Amen. That's taking the place of the truth. You know, the lie, you know, the, the deception, the manipulation, a lot of traitors out there, a lot of double-minded people out there right now struggling. Amen. So let's pick up our study right now. Amen. And we got some groundwork laid here in the book of John, chapter 13, verse 18 to 30, King James Bible. Verse 1 says, I speak not of you. He said, I speak not of you all. In other words, I speak not concerning you all. 
I know whom I have chosen. Now, this, 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 this blessed me right here. This, this is Jesus. He said, I know who I have chosen, but that the scripture might be fulfilled. That's so important. I love how Jesus, all the true major prophets, minor prophets, uh, all of the apostles, I'm talking about the true apostles, the eyewitnesses that were there with Jesus, uh, the Holy Ghost, God himself, when he inspired Moses and Elijah and all of them prophets before the Holy Spirit came and dwelt inside of them, none of them ever went outside of what the scripture had said. They got enough work done by operating within the confines and the boundaries of the word of God. None of them had to add to or take from. The ones who tried to do it, it ended up with, a, with, a, with, 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 with being destroyed from their own doings, you know. But I love how all, all of these true followers, you know, operated within what the scripture said, even what the prophets had said. That's why you see reference after reference uh, in, in the scriptures they always refer to as the prophet Isaiah has said that it might be fulfilled what he said, you know. And so here we are here, man, as Jesus is talking, he said that, you know, the scripture might be for maybe fulfilled. He that eateth bread, okay, uh, with me has lifted up his heels against me. Now, when he started talking about this bread here, I thought it was interesting. He said, he that eateth bread with me. Now, he wasn't just talking about eating some bread because he was hungry. He was talking about my bread. See, this bread was special. It had a special symbolic meaning to it. It was going to be the last meal. Uh, an ordinance was being set in place here. You know, a, a, a ministry was, was, was unfolding here. There was, a, a, you know, something that that bread was symbolic of. So it had a greater meaning than just bread. You know, it was Jesus' bread. It was his way of instituting uh, you know, a memorial for days to come that they could come together in the future to eat and do it in remembrance of him. And so it was his bread symbolizing his body. So it had a, 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 a greater implication here. So he was instituting something here, amen, that we love how Paul says that that was given to me, you know. And so this is what this is so symbolic of here, that he that eateth bread, he that participated in what I'm preparing as a memorial for you to come together in the future and do in remembrance of me, my body that's about to be broken for you. This is the symbolicness of this bread. With me both lifted up his heel against me, okay? And so what this did, it brought heartbreak, you know, from this betrayal. Judas was chosen. He wasn't just somebody that, that started following them around. He was actually chosen. So I can, I can sense the heartbreak that this must have Calls Jesus, uh, you know, and the other disciples when they learn who it was. Judas was of a, a kind of like, you know, sometimes people can be high one day and they can fall so low. It's like they can go from one extreme to the other. So, you know, he, he, he his, uh, you know, relationship right now took a nosedive, took a nosedive, you know, because he betrayed Jesus, you know. Uh, he, here it is. He, 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 and he puts it on display how low he had fallen how he had low he had stooped he ate with jesus christ yet he turned away ate with him you know received the love from him got his feet washed like anybody else didn't get seated treated with any discrimination you know was included in in in, in the 12 you know the lord loved him all the way to the end and here he is man ate jesus's bread that was so symbolic you know so, had such a sacred meaning behind it 
-hmm. He missed all of that. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same thing with people today. You start preparing them, hope you're preparing them, building them up, maturing them, you know, for the work of ministry. And sometimes they get so thin skinned, they think you're trying to tell them what to do. You know, you know, thank you trying to act like you know more than they know. And you're just trying to pour into them. You're trying to do what the Lord, you believe the Lord has set you in the body to do as a gift. You're trying to build them up like the scripture says, you know, and mature them, perfect them for the work of ministry. And, you know, and sometimes when people don't understand, you know, they blame you. Yeah. You know, they blame you for their lack of understanding. They blame you for what they don't know, you know, and you done dedicated your life to the Lord. And, and, and this is what, you know, was so, uh, heartbreaking for Jesus. He done come, he done been with them, he done slept with them, he done, you know, he done, he done healed them, he done taught them in the same, he'd been a wonderful, excellent example. And now all of a sudden here at the end, when I need you the most to hang in there, Ooh, you know, you're going to betray me, eat my bread, which is symbolic of what I'm about to do in a day or so. Have my body broken for you, for your sins. So we get ready to see out of that heartbreak a release to go do whatever you want to do is going to be rendered by Jesus. I love that because, you know, sometimes we say, I got to decrease so you can increase. What the scriptures say, he must increase so you can decrease. So Jesus now is increasing. And so we get ready to see Judas is going to be released by him. Jesus is no longer going to try to hold him. In other words, Jesus didn't tell him what to do. But he released him so he could do what he wanted to do, you know. And so he's always protective of our free will. There's no force, you know. It's your choice. He said it before us, life and death. And he tells us to choose life. Yes. He never really called them out by name, but he just kind of released them to operate in his free will. That's what I love about Jesus. You can't force nobody to be saved, you know. You can't force nobody to go to church, you know. They have a free will that God gave them. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, there was, a, there, was an, uh, there was an exercise of choice, you know, to choose. And it's still that way today. Uh, verse 19, he says, Now I tell you before it comes, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Okay, so here Jesus makes the prediction of Judas Iscariot's betrayal without ever calling his name. And to assure the disciples, that he is the Messiah. He speaks like this because, you know, some of them was really honed in and listening to every word that came off Jesus' lips. Some of them was very attentive and paying attention, even though they did not understand right now, okay? But just keep watching, keep listening, keep following, keep hanging in there. It's the same thing today. Sometimes it happens right away, the revelation. Sometimes it takes a little while to meditate on it, ponder over it. That's why the Lord sometimes, you know, want us to continue to ponder over that thing, think on that thing. But at the same time, he wants us to get understanding so that we can apply it in these tough situations. Judah didn't hang around to get no understanding. He had already made up his mind. Satan had already entered in. But for the other 11, man, they're locked in. You know, their eyes are fixed on him. Because they done seen the miracles. You know, they done made up their mind. We on board. We're going to follow you, Jesus, all the way to the end. You know, we want to see how this thing is going to end. Because they're beginning now to realize he really is the Messiah. You know, nobody can deny that he is the Christ, the anointed son of the living God, but Judah right now. And there was others who had already departed and left. 
It just so happened that Judas just happened to be one of the 12, you know, close to Jesus. And he was pretty close to Jesus. You know, he was pretty, he was smart. He was a lawyer. He had the money bag. So obviously he was well thought of, even though they found out he was a crook and he had been taking money out the bag. You know, all these things now are being revealed, you know, uh, through him. Okay. But most of them recognized that Jesus was the Messiah and they was going to hang around to really, really see how this thing was going to end. Verse 20, he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me setting this precedence now. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. You can't receive the father without Jesus. You can't receive Jesus without the father. They're one and the same. Amen. He wanted to do this in order to strengthen the dignity of the call of God, his father that was on his life. He did not want them to be so focused on him is that they not understand he was the way to the father. No man can come to the father except by me. When you see me, you see the father. For my father sent me. I didn't come on my own. You know, he wanted you, you to be reconciled back to him, put back in a relationship with him. And he sent me as a sacrificial lamb to be able to do that because of sin. That propitiation had to be satisfied. That price had to be paid. That reconciliation was going to require a price to be paid. I'm that price. You know, I'm that purchasing power to purchase your redemption. Amen. To put you back in right standing with the father. So he wanted to do this in order to strengthen the dignity of that. That was that was such an awesome act that he was performing. You know, it, it, it carried great merit. It carried great weight behind it, great value in it to get man back in right standing with the father. This was to serve, to give them the assurance of God's dwelling presence with them from for throughout eternity after this was over. Amen. This, this Passover feast was over with them. Even then it's like that now. And it's going to be like that in the future. Why? Because uh, Hebrews, I think it's 13 and eight chapter 13, verse eight, the Kings and Bible says this, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is why he said, do this in remembrance of me as often as you eat. You know, he instituted that ministry you know, that bread, that breaking of the bread in remembrance of him, his symbolizing his body that was broken, his blood that was shed as we drank that wine in remembrance of him. And that's over in the book of First Corinthians, uh, chapter 11, starting at verse 23, all the way down to the end. I think it's verse 34, the King James Bible. And we did that on Res Resurrection Sundays. We talked about the Passover. <clears throat> that's how we concluded our service in remembrance of him. So we participated in that memorial that was instituted that Judah blew it. Amen. But the rest of them participated. Hallelujah. You keep participating. Even though others blow it, we're not going to blow it. We're going to keep doing it in remembrance of him as often as we eat. Amen. Verse 21, he says, and when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. So now this would uh, also serve as a last chance, okay, that would be given to the betrayer, okay? Still ain't calling no name in their midst, but he was there in the midst, sitting right there in the midst of them, breaking bread with them, getting his feet washed, you know, laying on the bosom of Jesus with the rest of them, you know, comfortable on the couch. In the presence of the betrayer is about to be exposed at the distress of Jesus, the betrayer is exposed. It was hard for Jesus to expose him, amen, without calling his name. See, that's the love and the compassion of the Father. 
he knows the person that he's talking to know who he's talking to. And he don't want to be the one to point the finger. Don't you be the one to point the finger, even if you know something. Go to the person, if you got all, go to the person and reveal it to them. Don't, or just pray about it, you know. But don't point fingers because they one may be pointed back at you. You know, don't be so quick to get that little toothpick in somebody's eye and ignore that big old two-by-four in yours. Might be a whole house sitting up in some folks' eyes right now. They don't point the finger at other folks so much. But Jesus is about to expose, you know, it was distressful for him to do this because Judas was also one of his disciples. Amen. But it's going to happen. Amen. Verse 22, he says, then the disciples look one, you know, on another, doubting of him whom spake, you know, of Jesus. They want to know now, man, this thing is convicting them, you know. So then the disciples look on one toward one another. They start looking around at each other, okay? Doubting of whom Jesus spake. Uh, he's speaking, okay? Jesus is speaking, okay? This exposure caused the disciples to become perplexed. They became very nervous and they became very self-conscious. Is he talking about me? You know, that, that conviction beginning to set in. That's a good place to be sometime when you're serving God because it forces you to examine yourself. He didn't call your name yet, but he stated a situation that was going on, you know. And see, this is why preachers ought to preach the gospel, because when you preach the gospel, it will cause people to get a little nervous if they're not right with God. It'll stir them. It'll penetrate them. Y'all know how it is when you sometime before we got really saved, we just say, Pastor, stepping on my toes. He's talking to me, you know. Well, it's the same type of nervousness that they were having. They wanted to know, is it me? So self-examination sometimes, you know, this is what he, what he talked about. Let a man examine himself. So they're beginning to examine himself. So you see this, this, this ministry that Jesus the institution is beginning to kick in right now. That they were going to be doing things in remembrance of him, starting with examining yourself. Instead of examining others and pointing fingers, Jesus is really unfolding here and instituting the, 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 the celebration that was going to take place every time they came together to eat. Start with examining yourself. Let a man examine himself. So he's speaking in such a way where he's causing them to be perplexed, nervous, and self-conscious about some things. They want to know, is it me? Who is it? You know, as he's speaking. Verse 23, it says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Okay? So they were leaning, meaning they were reclining you know, and as they sat at meat, they was getting ready to eat. So they, so they was kind of reclining. You know, you, you know how it is sometimes when you come, you just recline, you kind of relax, you get comfortable on the bosom, you know, of one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Reclining on the, you know, I'll say, uh, I don't know what kind of furniture they had, but it was so low to the ground that they had really became very, very comfortable because they were with Jesus, someone who loved them. Okay. Uh, with the head toward the Lord's bosom. All of them are focused on his bosom. Amen. John now, that one he, that he beloved so much, John was in a favorite position, uh, as we have learned, which was always to lay on the bosom of Jesus because he loved him so much, on the Lord's right hand. And then you had Judah was on the left side because, see, Judah was kind of very close to at one point. That's why he was trusted with the bag, with the money. So he wasn't just a typical, you know, run by the meal disciple. He was on the left hand and John was on the right hand, both leaning toward the bosom of Jesus. John just happened to get up in there real close and real tight. He, he was one of the beloved. And Judah was over here kind of on the left side, you know, so he was right there too, you know, on the left. 
Verse 24 says, Simon Peter therefore beckoned, okay? In other words, he gave a sign or a nod when he heard Jesus speak, okay? He kind of looked at John, you know, and kind of gave, you know, you know how sometimes you send them little signals, you know, that something is going on, mm-hmm. you know, without saying anything, just kind of gave him that nod, sort of like that body language. Did you hear what he just said? To him that he should ask who should be of whom he spake. Okay, he want to know. So he's giving him that nod that, you know, John was close to Jesus. You know, he was the beloved. So he said, well, if he'll tell anybody, he'll tell John. You know, bump that. If you got a question, ask it. If you got an issue, you can go to the Father yourself. You don't have to go through nobody, put nobody up to nothing. You know, these, you, you, we're followers of Christ. We can go to our Father ourselves. You don't have to go get in no booth and confess nothing to no priest. You are a priest. You go yourself. And these are disciples right here. We're followers of Christ. We have access to him. We can go boldly before his throne and make our petitions known. So they got all this head language going on, all these signals. You done seen it before. We be in church and pastor say something. Everybody looking looking at each other, nodding their head. Get, you know, and then maybe somebody sitting over there that you don't like and you think that's who they're talking about. So you looking at each other, giving that head nod toward the person because they got a, a dress different than you. They may have a shorter skirt on than you have. They may have high heel shoes that can't have walk-in. Y'all get these head and eye signals going and looking around. You know, thinking the pastor them don't, they just keep preaching the gospel. They ain't addressed it. And so y'all thinking they should say something about it. You know, all that stuff go on today, man. So you got this little head nod going on here in in, in the thing about Judah. But they don't know, but they just looking at each other. And they want John to ask a little bit more questions about this. Who is he talking about? Okay, so they got the head nods going on. Say it to him. Okay, say who it is. You know, we observe here a gesture to John from Peter to inquire a little further into this matter. You know, he want to know. Talk, ask Jesus, John. You know, you're one of his favorites. Verse 25, he says, he then lying, meaning lying back, you know, you don't got the head nod, on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord, who is it? So Peter here is, is, is a little bit beyond Judas and leaning back, and he sighed, meaning he gave a little head nod to John, who was behind the Lord, standing up behind him now. He done got up off his chest, and th- this is an urgent matter, so it brought him to his feet. And so he wanted to know. So here we have John's further inquiry to Jesus about who is he talking about. So right now, nobody knows but Jesus, okay? And so they want to know. They want to pick his brain. Verse 26, he said, Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot. Bam, there's that exposure. The son of Simon, okay? It was a mark of honor for the host to give a portion to one of the guests. That was just a custom. Remember, Jesus is all, fulfilling all the customs in the law, so it was customary for him to do that. So he staged this to them so everybody would know. They would follow and track who he was going to give it to. It was going to be a revealing there, okay? Just a matter of time. Anything done in the dark going to come to light. The Lord will expose it. He'll turn it over. He'll turn it upside down. The Lord had appealed to the conscience of Judah, just like we saw back in verse 21. 
he had, he, you know, verse 21, it says, when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in his spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. So here we, here, here we see right here, the Lord had appealed to Judas back in that verse, his conscience. He was appealing to his conscience by not calling him out, but speaking things that would convict him. Now he appeals to his heart. In this verse 26, he's appealing to his heart now. I love that because the Lord looks at the heart. He looked beyond the outer uh, appearance of Judah, how he faked it to make it, went along with the crowd. Now he's penetrating. He's going straight after that heart, okay, as we say, going after the juggler. This is so wise how Jesus Christ indirectly, immersively reveals the indication of the betrayer by giving him a last chance to repent without even calling him by name. I thought that was so profound. Verse 27, he says, and after the stop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, thou that doeth, do quickly. So it is significant here that the rejection of the Lord's last appeal hardened Judah, hardened his heart, man, so that his heart became open to the entrance of Satan. Up until this moment now, Jesus, uh, Judas had been possessed by the evil thoughts. But now, okay, he is obsessed by the evil one. This is why you can't trust Satan. The minute you entertain his thoughts, man, he has an end state. The key is still destroy you. Okay, he want to uh, possess you and obsess you to be able to do his bidding. The Lord knew what had taken place. Nobody else knew, but the Lord knew. He's all knowing. And that any further appeals to Judah would be useless at that point. So as a result, the Lord releases and dismisses him to do the work he had he was set to do and had his mind made up. Sometimes you just got to let people go. Sometimes you got to shake the dust off your feet and keep it moving. You know, Judah's heart gathered so much iniquity in such a quick period. You know, he, you know, he get up and he leaves real quick and he go tell it exactly what Judas did. You know, he told him what he did. He went and told him, you know, the one I'm going to kiss. He went right to him and told him and got them 30 pieces of silver, that blood money. Went right on quickly. Now we learn of a transition from appealing to Judas Iscariot to, to, to issuing him a warning against betrayal. Already knowing of the evil, satanic possession that had already moved in and was influences him to betray Jesus. The last chance, Judah, act now or forever hold your peace. It's basically what Jesus was doing, giving him that last chance. And bam, he released him into the midst of him, and out he went, okay, signifying he was the betrayer. Verse 28, he says, uh, now no man at the table, okay, no one that was reclining, none of those that were laying on Jesus' chair, knew for, for what intent had no view, uh, you know, they had no view or no clue of what really was going on. He spake this unto them, unto him, act now. Judas Iscariot, or forever hold your peace. Be hot, basically, or be cold. But don't you sit here and be lukewarm. Don't you sit here and fake it, okay? So Judas Iscariot, he waxed colder and colder in his heart until it drove him to fall away, okay? Verse 29, as we come in to close, for some of them thought, kind of were thinking all the time this is going on. They didn't really know yet. They hadn't gotten the revelation yet because Judah had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him. And so they're thinking now that because he, you know, he holds a position here among the 12, maybe he's talking to him. They're not sure, but they're thinking along those lines. 
but those things that we have need of against the feast or that he should give something to the poor. So they're thinking he got the bag, so the Lord must be talking to him so he can go out and buy the things we need for the feast. Mm-hmm. So that, that, they, 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 they misunderstood the whole picture here. They didn't get the revelation. That's how a lot of people are sometimes. It's not good to assume. That's why Jesus said, I want you to know the truth and the truth make you free. Okay? And if you listen sometime and you don't understand, the next thing to do is ask God to give you understanding because he'll give it to you. You got to get that. You get wisdom. You get all this knowledge. You get all this word. And you don't get no understanding. You, 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 you still, you're in worse shape than you were before you ever got it. Because you may go incorrectly applied. Okay? And so, you know, and so he, they're thinking that it's Judah because he got the bag. But they're not thinking it's Judah because Satan has entered into him. But the Lord knows. Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, even deceived many of Jesus Christ's other disciples. They're sitting there, man, and there are folks who were implants that were coming to the ministry, waving a little card. They may have three hot scriptures, and next thing you know, they church over, and they having a sidebar in the parking lot talking to the members, laying hands on them, putting all on them in the parking lot. You just got through preaching. Talking about God gave a word for you. God wanted me to impart this word to you. You get this crazy stuff going on right now. You know, got, you know, just come up in the ministry, man, and all of a sudden pulling members, go sit by people, man, whispering, got a conversation going on side by while you preaching and teaching. You know, and so here, here you got everybody confused now. We didn't have people actually tell us that. Well, Pastor, they said this right here. When did they say that? You know, wow. Verse 30, as we close, he then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. So this was like Tuesday night, around about 9 p.m. at night, the third hour of the watch. Uh, here's the results. We always like to get the results. We witnessed the judgment as seen in this betrayer being immediately separated from the pack. I love that. Later, he would hang himself in shame. Blood money. Blood money. So we see now this revelation of Jesus Christ. We, we, we see uh, this prediction of this betrayer, and we also see the warning, but we also see the punishment of this betrayer. We see a great big picture here of apostasy, that falling away from the truth, that abandoning of the truth, you know. And sometimes when that lie comes in, it can hit you real quick, and that's what happened with Judas. And the Lord gave him the last chance and finally released him and dismissed him to go do what you're going to do quickly. And I believe that that's the approach today. You know, the gospel is available, but we don't beat nobody up with it. We don't condemn nobody. They have a chance to hear it like anybody else, to preach to every creature. And then we have to respect their right to choose. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for this word. We thank you this morning, Lord God, that the word is going out. We thank you this morning, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We see how quickly, Lord God, people will fall away from the truth. We see how easy it is for them to be enticed and subdued with evil spirits that are going around seeking whom they may devour, waiting for some weak, low person, Lord God, uh, even a high-minded person to enter in and influence them to do their bidding, oh God. Satan is very busy, but Lord God, you 
said he came to kill, steal, and destroy in the book of John chapter 10, verse 10 of the King James Bible. But you come that we may have life and have it more yes. abundantly. So we thank you this morning for those who will follow you, Lord God, after hearing this word. We thank and praise you for those you're going to separate and cut off and dismiss to go do whatever they're going to do, Lord God, this morning. We, we pray with respect to your will. And you said, just let the wheat and tail grow together. You'll separate when you come. And so we thank and praise you this morning that we are some who water and some who plant, but it is you who give the increase. And so we thank and praise and trust your wisdom this morning, Lord God, in this hour that we're living in, where so many have gone out, Lord God, and falling away and abandoned the truth, have forsaken all others. And God, they're following after, Lord God, the false way, God. They're following after the doctrine of devils, oh God. They're going after teachers, oh God, who make their ears itch, oh God, with enticing, Lord God, words and excellence, their speech and the wisdom of men. But we come this morning in a demonstration of the spirit and power of God as you went forth, as John went forth, as Paul went forth, as a lot, as all those men and women of God were inspired to preach and teach the good news of the gospel, the sound doctrine, the glad tidings. Yes. Father, we pray this morning that this will go out and never return void, but fall on good ground good as you purpose, as you sent it to do, Lord God. Your people will know the truth, the revelations of Jesus Christ unveiled, revealed to them that they may be able to make wise decisions, well-informed decisions concerning their future, Lord God, and not trust their own understanding and leaning toward it, Lord God, suffering the, 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 the reality that they might be separated and dismissed, God, to go serve uh, Satan, Lord God, and miss an opportunity to get into the kingdom of God. So we thank you now as we call your sons and daughters out of darkness into your marvelous light. We pray for the lost, the backslidden, and the prodigal sons that they will come now before it's too late. We give you praise, glory, and honor that no one, Lord God, hearing this word will wait till the last minute, 11.59th hour, to turn to you, God, but so be it according to your will. In Jesus' name, we thank you for the word. Amen and amen.